everyone! Before we start, I wanted to let you know, if you would like to watch our whole service, head to our website, that's dc2.me, and from the media drop-down, click Sermons. You can watch our whole service there. And now, here's this week's sermon. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Discovery. It's a good way to start the morning by dedicating some babies, so thanks for doing that with us. Uh, my name's Mariah, and I'm the Worship Arts Director here at Discovery, and I am super excited to be sharing a message with you all this morning. I've had the opportunity over the past nine months or so to be a part of a public speaking class um, led by Steve, our lead pastor, and Renee Loring, and some of the other staff members, as well as our residents have been a part of this class. And it's been a really cool opportunity um, to be able to come up with some messages and little sermons and share them with a group of people and receive feedback and really grow our public speaking skills. So what I'm going to be sharing with you this morning was born out of that public speaking class. And when I first started working on this message a couple of months ago, I desperately wanted to avoid talking about 2020. I was tired of hearing about it, I was tired of talking about it, and I was going to do everything in my power to avoid the subject entirely. But as I started to dive into the scripture that I had chosen and pray about what I was supposed to say, I couldn't really avoid it. It's still so fresh and so present and so relevant to basically everyone. So instead of trying to dance around the subject and do something that felt more original, I decided that I'm going to speak from my own personal experience. So 2020, the year that everything changed. If the pandemic in itself wasn't enough, the political unrest, the racial injustice, and the myriad of tragedies and weather anomalies made it one of the strangest years ever. And it was definitely the most unsettling that I have ever experienced. Psalm 46 says that God is our refuge and our strength, our ever-present help in trouble. And to be honest, this is easy to read and want to believe, but it's hard to actually comprehend that and know it in our hearts. It can be difficult to see the goodness of God and be aware that he is our refuge and strength, that he is ever-present. And for me, that has been harder this past year than it's ever been. And I'd be willing to bet that many people listening to this could say the same thing. God is our refuge and our strength, our ever-present help in trouble. Refuge is a condition of being safe or sheltered from pursuit, danger, or trouble. So what do we do? when we're faced with pursuit, danger, or trouble. I got married back in October, and my husband Garrett and I were so excited to go on our honeymoon. Um, we were going to Playa del Carmen in Mexico, and after all of the stress of a wedding, it was going to be great to just spend seven days doing absolutely nothing except vegging by the pool. So we were super pumped, but when we got to Mexico, we were faced with a different kind of stress. Um, we were informed that Mexico was on a hurricane watch and we needed to be prepared at any moment to take shelter from the storm. And Garrett and I are both Colorado natives, so we have absolutely no experience with hurricanes. So both of us were pretty anxious the whole day, not knowing what was going to happen. But around dinner time, um, the staff at our resort gathered up all of the guests, and they moved us into a temporary shelter for the night. And they had us set up camp inside of one of the restaurants on the resort. And we were all going to sleep on the floor, and it seemed like it was going to be okay. 
Um, but as the night went on, the winds got heavier and the rains got stronger. And there was actually pools of water flooding into this restaurant where we were supposed to be safe for the night. And we started to panic a little bit, but the staff remained completely calm. And they just came in and they told everybody we needed to move closer to the center of the hotel where we would be safe. So that's what we did. And um, it happened about two or three more times. We would get settled, and then things would get worse, and they would come and gather us and move us closer to the center of the hotel. And we ended up at the very core of our resort, like the industrial part that no guest was probably ever supposed to see. But it was there at the very core of the hotel, behind all of the glitz and the glam, that we were finally safe from the storm, and we had peace. Now, most of us aren't faced with such a physical danger like a hurricane very often, but we are faced with other types of danger, both physical and emotional. And this year, I think it was more frequent than ever. We had this physical danger of the coronavirus hanging over our heads. COVID-19, contact tracing, flatten the curve, is it safe, stay inside, six feet apart. These are all terms that have become a part of our everyday vocabulary, which I, for one, never even considered would be a possibility. And I know we all have a different level of comfortability of what we feel about contracting the coronavirus, but I would like to suggest that some of the unsafety we felt over this past year has less to do with actually getting sick and more to do with everything else that this year threw our way. At least for me, my fears of being unsafe didn't directly correlate with the physical forms of danger, but the other things that were creating an unsafe space inside of me. If I had to give a word to this past season, it would be unraveling. Unraveling of everything I thought I knew. What did it mean we couldn't go to work, couldn't go out and do things, couldn't spend time with the people we loved, couldn't gather as a body of Christ to worship him? It all felt so wrong, and it all felt pretty unsafe. And to add to that, there was the tension. You have no idea what the people around you are thinking about the world's current events, and you have no idea whose toes you're going to step on or who you're going to offend. Life is different now, and life feels unsafe. So what do we do when the world around us unravels, when we unravel? The next verse in this psalm goes on to say, Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. As David wrote this psalm, he was saying that even if all of these things happen, even if the earth gives way, the mountains fall, the waters roar, even in the worst case scenario, I will not fear. I don't know what it's like to be King David, but I'm sure he had a lot more on his shoulders than I did. But as I was reflecting back on this year, I would say that the earth did give way. And I wish that I could say in seasons like this, my first response would be like David's, to declare God's goodness and believe that he's my refuge and my strength and to believe that I'm going to be okay. But if we're being honest, that is not my first response. It's not even close. My first response is usually the opposite. I'll go anywhere but God, take a nap, binge watch Netflix, scroll through social media. If I'm being completely transparent up here, when I feel unsafe, the last thing I want to do is be with God and believe that he is good. So there's a word just after verse 3, and it says, Selah. 
in the Passion Translation, it is pause in his presence. And I did a little bit of research on what the word Selah meant. And um, it's used 74 times in the Bible. And from what I found, the, the meaning of the word isn't completely known. But in the Psalms where it's used most frequently, it's a pause. So after the psalmist has imagined the absolute worst case scenario possible, he takes a moment to pause and to be in the presence of the Lord. And then I started thinking, what does it mean to be in the presence of the Lord? This is a term that we throw around a lot in Christian circles, but it feels like an intangible thing. Can you just muster up being in his presence? Is it something you just switch on and off? Why can't I seem to experience it so easily like other people be able, are able to? I've spent three years at ministry school. I'm on staff at a church. This is something I should be able to do. These are all questions that were flooding my mind as I was reading this passage. I didn't even know where to begin to get to that place that sounded so desirable, the presence of the Lord. But then I skipped ahead a few verses to verse 10, and it says, Be still and know that I am God. Be still. That's where I needed to start. Be still. It's something that is so hard for me. I even have it tattooed right here on my wrist as a daily reminder, but for some reason, I'm so resistant to stillness. But I challenged myself to do it. If I was going to get up here and talk about it, I needed to actually do it. So one morning, I got up early, and before I did anything else, I got a cup of coffee, and I sat on my couch. And I didn't try to read my Bible. I didn't try to journal. I didn't try to pray. All I did was absolutely nothing. And this actually took me a few different attempts. Every time I did it, I would get distracted and feel like I needed to go do something or basically do anything except this. But eventually, I allowed myself to be still and to let God speak. And do you know what happened? I totally fell apart. It was like all of my worst fears were happening. My worst case scenario came to pass. In my stillness, I was confronted with all of the feelings of fear and disappointment that I had been avoiding this past year. And it didn't feel good. But it was so necessary. I had been avoiding anything that felt unsafe inside of myself instead of bringing it to the foot of the cross and allowing Jesus to be my ever-present help. And this really shook me. I actually took a few days to recover, but after some time, I did begin to feel a little bit lighter and a little bit more free. I began to realize how liberating it was to have a come-to-Jesus moment with the actual person of Jesus Christ. In my being still, God peeled back every layer of junk that I had been using to distract myself from my own vulnerability. The busyness of work, social media, relationships, chores, you name it. In that moment, it was all gone, and I was stripped down to my very core. Every part of me was unraveled to show what was underneath it all. It exposed everything I was leaning on that wasn't Jesus. And in this space of complete vulnerability, of complete unraveling, I actually felt safe. I didn't have to try to hold myself together. I didn't have to try to pretend. God wasn't afraid of my anger, my disappointment, my sadness, my fear. He could hold that space. And I could hear him say who he says I am. You see, the presence of God is the safest place that we could possibly be. 
Just like that time in Mexico, when we were facing that storm, they moved us closer and closer to the center of the hotel where we would be safe. The center of God is where the safety is. It's where the peace is. And I don't mean safe by saying that we're not going to face any opposition or danger because we aren't promised that. But I mean safe internally. Knowing God and letting him know us. Being aligned with our creator and being stripped of everything else brings a freedom and a safety that is so hard to describe until you actually experience it. It's a feeling like no matter what life throws my way, I know I'm going to be okay because I know who he says I am and I know who I'm centered in. And I'm not saying that everything in my life was instantly better. This isn't some magic pill that you can take and everything will be great. But I am telling you that this little step brought me so much freedom. And that is exactly what Jesus wants for us. He didn't die on the cross just to give us eternal life, which is a miracle in itself. But he also paid for fear, pain, disappointment, shame, guilt, you name it. He doesn't want you to carry it but it's really hard for him to take it if we don't allow him in. So I don't know if what I just shared with all of you feels relevant or if you feel like I just read my diary out loud, <laughs> but I just wanted to share with you this revelation and freedom that I have found because being unraveled is somehow one of the most painful and also one of the most beautiful things I've ever experienced. And I know I have a long way to go. I will probably never arrive but I want to keep pressing in, taking moments for Selah, pausing in his presence daily and allowing him to speak and remembering that he is my refuge. So I'm just going to pray for us all right now. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, we thank you for your presence. God, we thank you for your goodness. And we thank you that you are close even where, when we are unaware and even when we can't feel it. God, thank you that you're constant through the chaos of life and that you're the peace in the storm. God, and I just pray for a fresh revelation for everyone in this room and everyone watching online, um, for a fresh revelation of who you are to them and who you say they are as your children, God. I pray for a boldness, for um, an ability to be vulnerable before you and to be fully known by you. I pray that each one of us experiences you in a new and different way. And in the little passing moments of life, God, allow us to have moments of stillness where we can hear your voice and know who you are. Thank you that you're a kind father who wants relationship with us. And thank you that you love us so much that you're constantly chasing after us and working on our hearts. We love you so much. Amen. Hello. Hey, Discovery. <laughs> My name is uh, Lennox Adeno, and I've been a resident here at Discovery since August. Um, if you've been in, on any of our online platforms, I am that millennial that is using the emojis during worship. We're um, messing around that way. Uh, just a few things before I jump in. I actually was also part of that public speaking cohort. And um, what I'm going to share with you guys was kind of birthed during that season. But before we do that, I kind of wanted to share a few things about 
me, since I haven't had the chance of meeting. That rain? Wow, look at that. Colorado, right? <laughs> um, so as the rain falls you know, on the barn, I just wanted to share a few things about who I am, uh, just because I haven't had the chance of meeting uh, some of you. So I am from the Dominican Republic. I grew up in New York City. Uh, I enjoy anime. I actually like the rain, believe it or not. <laughs> I enjoy dancing. And I'm in love with a fiery, curly-haired Latina queen. All right, So I feel like I'm winning at life. <laughs> so growing up, I enjoyed many of my teenage years. But like most people, I had one or two years where it wasn't that fun to be a teenager. Uh, one of these years led me to completely not really remember my 10th grade year of high school. I had just gotten home from spending the day at the Queens Center Mall, which is this huge mall in Queens, uh, New York. It was the usual place I found myself that year. Doing what? Cutting school. Yeah, I know. Not a good look. I did, this, I did this for about half the school year until uh, a teacher decided to call home. So I get home after a long day of not really, you know, doing nothing, just walking around in a mall, and my parents let me have it. After being chewed out by my parents, I walk down the hall filled with shame and kind of catch my brother's eyes, and I end up heading to my room and being really struck because I felt like he just looked disappointed. This was the last push into the eventual hole that led to one of the lowest points uh, of my life at that particular age. Have you ever been, have you ever found yourself in a similar place, just in a hole where you didn't know how to get out of it? I'm grateful that the Bible is filled with a bunch of people who have needed God's rescue. One of these people or a particular person that I want to point to is Jeremiah. So he was a Hebrew prophet called to warn Israel of the consequences of their sin and injustice. If you're the kind of person who says only God can judge me, Jeremiah prob probably will rub you the wrong way. So Jeremiah finds himself in a really tricky situation. Some officials from Jerusalem hear Jeremiah say out loud in public that they should give up to the Babylonians, which were their enemies. These officials run to the king and tell the king that Jeremiah is ruining the morale of the nation and the soldiers. These officials then choose to put Jeremiah in a cistern filled with mud. If you're like me and don't really know what a cistern is, a cistern was a bottle-shaped pit dug out of rock and used to store water. But they left him there essentially to die. Sometimes when I read certain passages of scripture uh, where people are in tricky situations like these, I tend to think about, man, what was going through their mind? Man, I wonder if there was maybe a scripture, a prayer, a thought that might have been a companion to them. But what's awesome is that God would eventually rescue Jeremiah through one of the king's servants. 
He would throw down a rope to Jeremiah when he least expected it. Someone else who needed God's rescue was Jonah. He was another Hebrew prophet called by God. If you are the kind of person that likes to run away from your problems, then Jonah's story will feel right at home with you. God would call out to Jonah and tell him to preach to a city, which then Jonah decides, hmm, I'm going to go a different direction. Like, you know, I've been there plenty of times. Uh, and on his travels, Jonah would find himself on a boat. And this boat then gets caught up in a storm. Uh, I kind of feel that right now, right? <laughs> I feel like Jonah a bit right now. And the sailors would end up throwing Jonah off of the boat. Again, I think, man, I wonder what Jonah was thinking while he was tossing, you know, about to die at sea. And what's wild is that God would rescue Jonah from what would have been certain death through the use of a huge fish. He gets swallowed alive, which again is pretty weird to think about. Like imagine being in a belly of some huge animal. I don't know. I think of a lot, a lot of weird things that would come to my mind. But for me, Psalms 46 has become my version of a rope and sea animal that the Lord has used uh, to extend to me in seasons like the one that I experienced as a teen. It reminds me that like Jeremiah, God extends his favor towards me when life pushes me in the deepest hole. Or like Jonah, he swallows me in mercy and grace when I put myself in the worst spots. As I call the band up to lead us in song and worship, I want to leave you with a poem based on Psalms 46 and the stories that I shared. And I pray that I encourage you. I'm not going to lie to you. I feel like God is giving me an assist right now. <laughs> like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> so God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, I will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountain fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Oh, how you see and hear me, Papa. You have a plan A, B, and C. It doesn't matter. You got me. Like Jeremiah, I find myself in a cistern, and you are my only relief. Half of me is exhausted, while the other can't wait to be free. Sheesh. I sink a little more into the mud. I go, honestly, not knowing the outcome of this, but this I know. That next to you is the only place I want to be. I believe you don't abandon or leave those you call your own. So I'll wait. Like Jonah in the watery chamber of that animal's belly, with no choice but to stay put as I deal with my shame to reflect on how long your mercy remains. And it remains evident that you stay the same. And though I want it to be dead, it pleases you to help me to find my way again, doesn't it? So I'll wait. For now, your words will be my home, refuge, strength, and lighthouse. I'll wait till they seep in my bones. And when I'm on the other side or on the shore, teach me. Teach me to use my rope to help my neighbor because he may be feeling like he's sinking alone or she might need a hand as she picks a bone with you. 
Thank you for reaching out again and again. Jesus, like these old prophets, help this young boy to stand. But for now, I'll wait.